Ladies and gentlemen, listening from around the world, we are live! Welcome to this episode of Tailgates and Teasers! And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, introducing your host, Drew Werner! It's time! Alright, what is up everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Tailgates and Teasers. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Drew Gorder, and we have a sports episode coming at you today involving the MLB, NBA, and NFL. But before we get going there, we have to announce the winner of the $25 Amazon gift card and customized Tailgates and Teasers hat that you could have won by commenting the code word MAGIC from our previous episode on our last post. With that said, drum roll, please. That is not a drum roll, and it is not spooky season anymore, so <laughs> we're going to roll with it. But Joshua Nelson from Pleasant Hill, California, congrats on winning the hat and Amazon gift card. He is a loyal listener, and nobody better deserving than him. Boom, boom, boom. With that said, looking forward to getting into this episode of Tailgates and Teasers with you involving the MLB postseason awards and, you know, the first general manager that's a female getting hired by Derek Jeter's Miami Marlins. Hot takes left and right involving NBA, Giannis, Harden, Westbrook, NBA draft, CP3 joining Devin Booker down in Phoenix on the Suns, heating things up there. We got all kinds of NFL talk coming at you. Halfway through the season under our belt, MVP early picks, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, potential dark horse, Kyler Murray, never know. Talk about the Steelers going 9-0, what that means for the NFL. So with all that said, stay tuned. Episode 11 starts right now. joining me today episode 11 we have jake ward and drew gray guys thanks for coming on talking some sports got a lot to go over today yeah recently the miami marlins hired kim ang making her the first female general manager in not only the mlb but north american sports history she has a crazy resume Derek jeter used to you know new york yankees they have those ties there so give me your thoughts on her becoming the first gm in the mlb Long overdue, you know, I, I mean, we've seen a, a string of female hires in, in coaching. So, you know, it was only a matter of time. And, and if you do any research, any background on this, you see that she had been interviewing for GM positions since as early as 2005. So that's now 15 years. That's a lot of experience. And quite honestly, let's let's also think about this in terms of what if a, a male peer of hers had gone 15 years looking for that sort of job? and getting all those interviews he probably would have had a job by now so we'll we'll say long overdue and we'll say well deserved 30 years experience uh eight postseason appearances as an executive three world series titles i believe all were with the yankees starting as an assistant night assistant gm in 98 uh but yeah long long overdue and well deserved 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, she's extremely well qualified. Um, I mean, we know that the Marlins did their due diligence. You know, uh, they picked the person who they thought was the most qualified for the job. And if it just happens to be a woman, then it just happens to be a woman. Um, I mean, Jake, Jake nailed it. You know, uh, she's extremely qualified with the three World Series, um, 30 years. But I think one thing that's going to be interesting to watch is the situation that she's inheriting. Uh, right now, the Marlins currently have the lowest, uh, like as of today, they have the lowest current payroll in baseball at $46.5 million. And they only have uh, Miguel Rojas under team control through the 2022 uh, season. So. She's basically getting a blank slate, and uh, I think we're we're just gonna have to see whether, you know, she uh, she's either gonna flop or she's gonna do great, you know, and it's it's gonna be based on her moves because uh, Jeter's basically bringing her into nothing, so it's gonna be really interesting to see what she can do for the Marlins. Yeah, I think uh, Jeter's just known for making these splash moves, right? So he went straight into it and traded Yelich, traded Azuna, so it doesn't. I read it the other day and I was not really surprised. I was more just like, all right, that's, that's awesome. First women GM in the MLB. I wasn't really surprised that Jeter made another big move. And you talk about how, if, if it's going to pan out or not, I think it will, you know, you look at the talent the Marlins had this year, not a whole lot of name, big name guys and look how far they got. And they had a really good season. So um, I think that says a lot about Jeter and bringing her in. Uh, moving on to the MVP, we have Jose Abreu and Freddie Freeman. What do you guys think about the MVP? If I remember correctly, I do want to say that I called Jose Abreu as a potential MVP at our Midway show during – yeah, I, I can't remember what episode that was. We'll have to check the tape on that. But if yeah. I did, look at that payoff. I mean, ends up going 76 for 240. That's 317. It ends up with 19 home runs. 43 runs, 60 RBI. I mean, it was a great year, especially with a, a team that was young. He was the driving force behind that team. I mean, a lot of young talent there, but that was Jose Abreu's team. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, I think both picks are great. I mean, Jake nailed it again. Um, you know, you have a lineup with guys like Eloy Jimenez and Yomon Kata. I mean, guys who are – uh, a little bit more wild swing in the bat. I mean, to have a guy like Abreu solid in the middle of that lineup, uh, you, you pencil him in every day. Like you said, 19 home runs, 60 RBIs, and he hit 317. So he kind of breaks that uh, that uh, three-outcome scenario, you know, a little bit. He He's more of a, a well-rounded hitter. It's, it's kind of like watching a Miguel Cabrera or a Pujols kind of in their in height. Uh, you know, and I think Freddie Freeman was a great choice as well. I mean, you could always go to Mookie. Um, I mean, he's exciting to watch and he had a fun year, but I think um, they nailed it with the two MVPs this year. And I think, you know, just, I mean, by the stats and the eye test, I think, you know, uh, it was pretty obvious Freeman and Abreu were the two best players. Right. Uh, something I thought was really interesting was there were two MVPs that were first basemen was this year. The last time that happened was in 06 with Justin Morneau from the Twins and in 06 with Brian Howard in the Phillies. And then before that was 94 with Frank Thomas on the White Sox and then Jeff Bagwell with Houston. So I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, two first basemen, a little fun fact. Uh, Drew, you said that they nailed it with MVPs. They also nailed it with the Cy Youngs. Uh, Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer, give me your guys' thoughts on, you know, them winning the Cy Young. 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it was both of those picks are great as well. Um, I mean, I think there could be arguments to be made for, for both. I think the Cy Young was a lot closer, uh, in my opinion, you know. But, uh, I mean, Bieber dominated all year long. And I think Bauer, um, I mean, I think his uh, media appeal and his Instagram, I mean, he sells himself so well. I think that, uh, it, I mean, it's going to help him in, in uh, getting awards and stuff like this that's voted on by the media. So um, I think they nailed it as well. I, I don't think you could have gone wrong with any of the choices. But um, I think to me, the Cy Young was a lot closer than the MVP race was. I do think Bauer deserved it. I, I don't know if so much he played it up. Of course, his, his record wasn't quite as nice as Bieber's was. Bauer only went five and four. But records, not really much, something much that a, a pitcher can control anymore. You know, you can't really go out and put up the runs yourself. All you can go out there and do is, is go out there and control how many runs get put up. And he posted a 173 ERA, actually had a lower whip than Shane Bieber did with an 0795. Uh, not quite as is looking good with the uh, with the strikeouts and with the walk ratio, but still finished tenth uh, in the MVP voting. So you know, I, I got to say that they were both well deserved picks. Right, and then Jake, you said you picked Jose Abreu earlier in the year to win the MVP, but I think one of us, I think it was you, Drew, who said that Kyle Lewis might win Rookie of the Year, and you yeah. know he did. He won AL Rookie of the Year, and NL Rookie of the Year was Devin Williams. So give me your guys' thoughts on the Rookie of the Year for the MLB. I mean, just well, just being an A's fan, you know, I mean, I watched Kyle Lewis play against them uh, multiple times this year, you know, and I mean, right. he, he kind of has that, uh, the uh, the same effect as uh, Luis Robert, you know, when the two of them make contact with the ball, it just, it, it looks different, you know, it comes off the bat differently, it makes a different sound, and uh, um, I mean, he basically had over a 900 OPS the entire season, 11 home runs, uh, in his rookie year. I mean, the average isn't um, going to blow you away, but for a rookie year, I think that's, uh, that's acceptable. Um, and I mean, Devin Williams really anchored that Brewers bullpen. I, I was really low on them uh, in the beginning of the year. I thought they'd probably get fourth place in that division. And uh, that bullpen really surprised at least me this year. And I think Williams was, was really the anchor. I mean, I mean, an 0.63 whip and an 0.33 ERA basically says it itself right there, you know. I mean, the guy can control all of his pitches, and he's, he's going to be fun to watch for the future. Yeah, Williams allowed just four runs on the season. One of those uh, – only one of those was an earned run. You know, that's how he gets that 0.33 and, and 53 strikeouts in 27 innings. I mean, that's just lights out stuff out of the bullpen. That's a, that's a lockdown guy that – you can count to be there in, in the ninth in the future. And Kyle Lewis, we saw what a, a great start that he had to the season. And he, he sort of slowed down a little bit down the stretch, not quite as uh, hot with the average, but that's how baseball works sometimes. Still finished with 37 runs, 11 home runs, 28 RBI. Uh, you, especially with his speed, you kind of think of him more, more as an on-base guy. So uh, if he can hopefully get that on-base percentage up a little bit, he finished the year at 293 realistically. Realistically, you'd like to see him around the 350s. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of a, a lofty goal, but definitely you need to see him above 300. But, I mean, there's only room for improvement with this guy. Right. So really looking forward to the MLB, you know, offseason where all these big names are going places, uh, different teams. We'll see kind of where things end up for next season. But uh, speaking of big names going to big teams, we got a lot of NBA news that happened today. We had Chris Paul joining the Suns as well as Dennis Schroeder, the Lakers. Uh, some, so some big trades and splash moves. Uh, they gave up the 28th pick 
for Dennis Schroeder, first round. I think that's a good trade for them. I believe Schroeder's a good point guard. Uh, they, they're not really sure about Rondo's future. It sounded like he's probably going to be out of L.A., so it's a good security pick or security trade to you know, secure a good point guard for that uh, team moving forward. You guys have any uh, thoughts on the Warriors on draft day? Draft's a couple days away. Are they going to trade that number two pick, or are they going to keep it and you know draft a stud and kind of develop them like they're known to do? I would yeah, love to see the Warriors hold on to that and go out and get James Wiseman. I mean, we know the kind of backcourt they've got with Steph and Clay. I mean, you know, no need to talk about that. But the one thing they haven't always had, you know, when they've had Steph and Clay is has been a dominant, uh, a dominant front court with with the big man. I know they had Mo Spates, Mo Buckets back then, and and uh, mm-hmm. kind of when they were first coming up, they had a couple of uh, guys that could dominate inside a little bit, but. You know, from what they've seen at the college level, albeit a short sample size with all the trouble that Wiseman got in, uh, you know, it's hard to pass on a guy like that. He could be a generational type guy in what is considered a fairly weak draft by NBA standards. So I I would like to see them maybe give it a shot and and see what they could turn him into. Yeah, I mean, another name to throw in there, Jake, is is, uh, Andrew Bogut. You know, I mean, you know, you saw what they could do when they had a, a big man who was, you know, not selfish. He went for rebounds, assists, you know. I mean, that the 1-5 pick and roll with him and Stephen Curry was, I mean, basically unbeatable. Um, so, you know, you would love to see them get another big man, especially with Draymond Green. Uh, you know, his, def- his defense as he's getting on in the league isn't maybe at that highest level where it has been before. You know, you'd like to see them get another bigger player in there. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're, they're wanting to get more athletic. And the names that have been thrown around, um, I could throw you guys out some names right now uh, for, for a, a possible trade with that second pick is uh, Kelly Oubre, Victor Oladipo, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, and Drew Holiday. So, I mean, I think when you look at – you hear those names for the first time, you know, if you're looking to get – uh, more athletic, you're looking to get bigger. I, I don't think you're going to trade the second pick to get any of those guys, you know. I mean, we're listening, especially because they only have about the, that 17 million uh, trade exception to go over the cap, you know, with their their contract situation. So I do also think that they'll go for that second pick. And I, and I think you do take James Wiseman. I mean, I, I think you, you need to get you need to get some front court. Uh, court help for sure you need to be able to rebound and and you know the Warriors used to be real effective when they get rebounds and then just throw it out to the three-point line you know Steph and Clay would would zone up somewhere and Bogut would get rebounds and just throw it straight out so I think if you can get a guy down there who can defend a little bit and is going to just focus on rebounds play unselfish I think I think that's how you got to do it yeah, I think that's all good. You you mentioned uh, Kelly Oubre there. He was actually traded today uh, to the Thunder. So Phoenix acquired Chris Paul in a big, big trade. So he's going to be teaming up with Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden. We had Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio. The one guy that I really like that I think is undervalued in that trade is Jalen LeCue. He is a so much potential. And I think OKC has got a steal with that. They also got another player and a first-round pick in 2022. Uh, OKC is, I don't think there'll be, you know, anything to worry about next year, but they have 16, 17 first-round picks if the Dennis uh, Schroeder trade goes through. 17 first-round picks over the next four or five years. So you look at them in 2026, 2027, they're going to be a team to worry about for sure. 
But yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on Chris Paul and Phoenix? Are they going to be sons? contenders in the West, or are they going to be, you know, five to seven seeds still? The the West is absolutely stacked. But give me your thoughts on Chris Paul. Does he help the Suns, or what do you think? Let's go Suns. Uh, you know, I'm going to say that he he will help the Suns. Obviously, he brings a lot of experience, especially to a team that has a young DeAndre Ayton, a uh, young Devin Booker. Um, you know, he, he's going to bring a lot to the table that maybe some didn't, especially including Ricky Rubio. I know he put out a tweet. Uh, you know, putting out a little message about the business, but you know, it, it, that's what it is. It's a business. That's and at the end of the exactly. day, it's a, it's a competitive business. You're there to win. And if you feel that someone else gives you a better piece or a better chance to win, you go out and, and you acquire them. That being said, I don't think this move puts them over the top. Like you said, this is going to be a loaded West still. Uh, the Lakers are still going to be up there. The Clippers will, will still be tough, especially uh, they've been rumored to be making some moves. You know, the Warriors will be coming back. So I, I don't know where this puts them, but it at least puts them in the conversation now. Whereas last year they were maybe you're talking playoffs. Now you're talking maybe semis. Yeah, fight, fighting for uh, home court for sure. Um, I, I mean, it, it's it's great to finally see Devin Booker get some good backcourt help. I mean, I think it, that's who's going to be the most helped out by this deal. You know, I mean, they can't just focus on, on Booker now. So I, I think it's going to be real fun to watch how that plays out. Um, I mean, you saw the Chris Paul effect in OKC. You know, they played well this year and nobody expected them to. So I definitely think that that deal is going to make a difference. He's been a top five point guard in basketball since, you know, I mean, Forever. it seems like the early Forever. 2000s at this point, you know. So, yeah. I mean, the guy knows the guy knows what he's doing. I think it's a solid deal. And it'll, it'll also be fun to watch how OKC uh, turns up in the future. It's like you said, you know, all those draft picks, it's, it's kind of like how I play when I'm playing uh, 2K, you know, and I'm doing like a franchise. <laughs> Gut the entire team for trade, for draft picks, and see how yeah. that works out for you. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, trust the process version two, you know what I mean? So um, it hasn't exactly worked out for Philadelphia how we thought it was going to. Um, you know, we'll see maybe, uh, you know, maybe OKC can do it better than them. I mean, we'll have to see, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of uh, – a lot of unknown commodities coming in and out of there. So um, yeah. hopefully they can nail it. You know, they nailed it when they had Harden, Westbrook, and uh, and KD. So, I mean, you know, maybe they know what they're doing with the draft picks. So we're going we're gonna to have to see how that plays out. All right. Like I said, the Suns, I, I still have the Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets, Clippers, and Mavericks as the top five in the West, even with this Chris Paul going to them. You mentioned the Chris Paul effect, you know, 0.2% chance to make the playoffs last year with the Thunder by ESPN. And, hey, they had one hell of a year, and Chris Paul proved that he still has it. He's 35 years old, though, and has two years, $40 million on his contract. Um, so I think OKC actually won this trade. They got a ton of assets, and they're going to be better in the long run for it. I don't see, you know, Chris Paul, he had Lob City, and – no championships. You know, he's going to make your team better, but I don't see them going deep in playoffs and, you know, really just panning out in the long run. So the Suns will be better because of it, but I don't think it's really a long-term deal that they're trying to make there. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Philadelphia. We have some rumors going around there as far as, hey, James Harden wants out of Houston now. Westbrook wants out of Houston. It's blowing up. Um, Westbrook, I don't know what, what team he's going to. He's a not a free agent until 2023, and he's getting 
million dollars a year to play basketball. So the trade block for him right now is not that heating up at all whatsoever. Um, we have maybe the Knicks interested. Uh, it's just teams willing to take on $41.3 million and a selfish guy. And I care about my stats. He care. He came out and said, hey, I want to be the guy again. Well, that means obviously he doesn't really care about the wins, right? So if Harden's on the way out, I could see him staying in Houston, them eating that money up and just letting him play there and have his team there. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Westbrook right now? My first thoughts are what happened to the Rockets, man? How is this imploding? I mean, you went from talking so big, trying to build a, a title contender to take down the Warriors to now everything is just blown away I mean talk about Houston we have a problem uh, you know the the teams that I see making the most sense to go out and, and get Westbrook would be a team that needs to sell tickets right he's a popular guy he's a fun guy to watch and he's going to put butts in the seats but that's about all that he's going to be good for right now like you said he, he's not going to lead so much in wins and if he wants to be the single guy I mean you really have to have nothing else on that team so if you're committed to a, a long-term rebuild Maybe he's the guy because you need some sort of scoring option, but that's going to come at the detriment of the development of, of all your young guys. I just don't see how that's going to work. Right. And then they also, Charlotte came out and said that they want him, but they're not willing to give up the number three overall pick this year. So that that's going to be scratched off the board. Uh, I really could see him going to New York. You know, he fits in with that, the media and they don't have anybody on their team. New York came out and said they're willing to trade RJ Barrett and uh, you know, some picks. So, We'll see where that what that happens. But um, moving on to James Harden, he also said today, hey, I want out of Houston. So they're really blowing it up. I think, you know, all the changes with the new head coach, front office, and these players not really having a sense of direction kind of, you know, wanted them to get out of there. But what team will James Harden end up on? I mean, the obvious answer right away is to say he rejoins KD, right? I, I mean – to, yeah. to reform two-thirds of the OKC team and this time play with Steve Nash. But, I mean, just the immediate thought there is how does that work? You know, Harden's a ball-dominant guy. KD's a ball-dominant guy. Kyrie's a ball-dominant guy. There's only one basketball in the game. You know, you, you can't play with three balls. So, I just – I don't see how that works, how that fits, unless all of those guys are willing to come together and say, hey, we're buddies. We understand that we're going to have to get the ball less to be able to win. And finally, maybe they all sacrifice for the greater good. I really actually don't think that KD is a ball dominant guy. I know that sounds kind of weird to say, but look at him when he goes to uh, Golden State, right? They had Clay, they had Curry, and they were all sharing the ball, getting their numbers, and they were successful winning championships because of it. I think guys like Kyrie and Harden are going to have a hard time playing together. And I don't see that working out whatsoever. If they're in the best interest to win championships, I don't think Brooklyn's a good move for Harden whatsoever. But, well, uh, I think that's the key in, in what you said right there is that KD's been through it before. So he knows, hey, look, we can still make this work. And I think if this happens, it's KD reaching out saying, Kyrie, it'll be okay. Look at what Steph did. Hey, James, come in. It'll be okay. Look at what Clay did. You got experience saying, hey, look, I've been on a team with a lot of mouths to feed. We can make this work. Yeah. Drew, I mean, I think one issue, I think one issue with that, you know, I mean, it, it just, it shows, it shows how special that Warriors team was because, you know, you had guys who were willing to do that. I think the, the issue is that, you know, KD isn't looking out and saying, I see two guys who are going to be willing to do that. 
you know. So I, I think you're seeing how difficult it is to build a quote-unquote super team and that you can't just put the best names on paper and throw them on a court and they're going to win games, you know. I mean, when it comes down to the best teams in the league, it still comes down to chemistry and how if you're willing to, to give up stats in order to, to win games. And I just don't, I don't see that playing out in that scenario. I mean, I really think the most likely situation in Houston is that Westbrook leaves. He'll probably go and they, they could trade him to, a, a, like Jake said, a bad team who's got nobody else on the roster. So Russ can really dominate the ball and they can try and build a team around him and hopefully he can get some tickets in and, and bring some people in. And Hardem, I'd say he probably stays in Houston and maybe they try and rebuild around him and, and try and make it work there. I know he wants to leave, but I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get both of those contracts off of their off of their yeah. role in one off season, you know. So I, I think I think Harden has the Harden has the uh, the the love of the city and everything to stay there. So I think he's the obvious choice of who you keep and try and maybe do a quick rebuild or something. And, and I think Westbrook probably leaves. Yeah, I think I just think if Harden goes to Brooklyn, it's going to be Houston 2.0. But if he goes, one trade destination I think would work for him is Philly. Um, you know, they get Ben Simmons, let's say, and I think Harden and Embiid with the pick and roll can be deadly. You know, they kind of both have that. Embiid's not a ball dominant guy like Harden is. They would have good chemistry, the personalities match up. Uh, Harden loves playing in Philadelphia. He goes off there every single year when he plays there. I could see him really doing well there, but I'm going to go on a hot take real quick and just say that he joins the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, why? Because Giannis already said that if they're not going to make any big moves to make this team better, then I'm out. So why not bring in Harden with Giannis? They have the plenty of assets to do it, plenty of picks to do it, and they could come out of the East on top with Harden, Giannis, and maybe some other guys. All right, moving on to the NFL. We are at the halfway point of the season. You know, what teams stand out? What players stand out? Give me your guys' current MVPs. Just kind of talk about the NFL a little bit. Current MVPs, you got to start with the man who's cooking up in Seattle finally, Russell Wilson. I know he had a little bit of a rough game yesterday, so the odds are going to take a hit a little bit. Uh, I mean, of course, you've also got to have you got to have the former. We'll say that the former MVP <laughs> and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers also. I, I mean, what he's been doing with Devontae Adams. I mean, quite honestly, forget Aaron Rodgers. You should, you should put Devontae Adams in the MVP conversation. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more with those three names. I mean, and I, and I think you, you got to look at. Uh, at what Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are doing, I think mostly because they basically have like, you know, one receiver each. I mean, I get Lockett's pretty good, but you basically have DK Metcalf. And then, uh, like you said, Adams on the Packers and not really anything special on defense, nothing else around them. And they're winning games, you know, scoring 40, you know, 35, 40 points a game. So, I mean, it's, I think it's hard to deny uh, it, whether it's it's one of those two guys. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think it's obvious between Wilson and Mahomes, maybe Rodgers. But once again, I'm going to do another hot take. I'm feeling it. Dark horse MVP, Kyler Murray. And let me tell you why. Because he leads the NFL in comeback victories this year. They are tied for first place in the NFC West. Uh, they beat notable teams. They beat the Seahawks. You know, they have the Seahawks coming up again in a couple of weeks. But, hey, they're 6-3. and three. 
He's leading the league right now in quarterbacks and rushing touchdowns. He, you mentioned Devontae Adams and Rodgers. Well, how about DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray? You saw the Hail Mary yesterday. Those, those guys are fun to watch. And I just think, hey, why not? He's my dark horse candidate for MVP. I believe he's top seven in passing. Um, that's, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray and go off, way, on, way off on a limb there. Uh, if he continues to put up numbers and they continue to win, especially win that division, let's just say they top the Seahawks, they're in the, he's for sure in the conversation for MVP. One uh, quick MVP ad I have. It's real unfortunate. Dalvin Cook got injured. Otherwise, we could be talking about a running back finally in the MVP talks again. Right. He's, he's the only thing saving me in fantasy, man. I'm lucky I got Dalvin Cook. <laughs> Are you talking about running backs? You see Nick Chubb yesterday? Make yes, that sir. Long coming run. back with a vengeance. 10 to 7, and he's coming all the way down, could close out the game, less than a minute left, and just run it into the end zone. Browns minus three and a half. <laughs> and the score is 10 to seven. He runs out of bounds at the one yard line with less than a minute left. Yeah, if I'm a Browns better, I'm pissed. <laughs> Let's see. I want to talk I mean, about like, crazy how good it's crazy how good the sports books are. Man, I, I just I'm, I'm like always almost, blown away at I'm always blown away at how accurately they can guess these games. I mean, three and a half. And it's a three-point finish, you know. I mean, it, it blows my mind every time. It's like they knew he was going to run out of bounds or something. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, one team I do want to bring up, because they're number one in all the rankings, are the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think, personally, that they are probably the most overrated 9-0 football team the NFL has ever had. I don't know. Um, give give it have, to me, Drew. I got to hear why. They have the weakest schedule. They have beat the Giants the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, the Browns they destroyed. They beat two good teams, the Titans and the Ravens. One of them was in Baltimore. Got to give them that. But, I mean, come on, the Cowboys, the Bengals, they, they don't play the Chiefs all year. They don't play the Saints. They don't play the Bucks. They don't play any top teams. So, of course, their record's going to be good. You know, they're, they're finally healthy again. But last year, they, they do have the Ravens in a couple weeks. Uh, Lamar won last time in Pittsburgh against Mason Rudolph because Big Ben was hurt. So we'll see. I do think that'll be a good game to watch, but I don't know. I just, they do play the Bills later in the season, but their schedule is just so weak. And I just think the Chiefs at the end of the season, when they, let's say they play them in the NFC or AFC championship game, I think the Chiefs beat them by 10. I do want to say, even with the, the walk-off by Hop yesterday, getting just mossed on the walk-off, the Bills are going to be a team to be reckoned with. I, I still yep. see them winning that division, even with the Patriots win uh, over the Ravens last night. I, I see the Bills taking that division, and I can see them going all the way maybe to an AFC championship. I, I mean, that's probably about the best-case scenario. So more, more likely I see them falling a little bit short. But I, I could see them making real noise this year with Josh Allen back there. He just finds a way to get it done. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Bills is a the, the Bills is is a great uh, a great choice, Jake. Um, I mean, I, I think you know, Drew, the the Steelers can only play who's in front of them. You know, I know it's an old cliche, you know, but um, yeah. I, I mean, you got to beat the teams that that you you are supposed to beat, right? And they're doing that on a on a week in and week out basis. I mean, I, I I'm very biased when it comes to to defense and football, just like I am in baseball, and they're a top five defense in almost every category, you know? Um, 
So I, I think against the offenses that, like the Broncos and the Texans and the well, what are they? What, that's that's who, well, that's what they're supposed to do against those teams. You know, I think the thing that yeah. worries me about the Steelers is their offense. They're they're in the lower half of most offensive uh, categories, but they're top five in points per game. So it, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, team when you look at them. Um, and then just maybe one dark horse in the AFC. I know it's it's been a quiet year and. I, I, I'm going to throw the Colts in there. I know it sounds crazy, and and but you know they're they're again top five in almost every defensive category. And uh, I'm a, I'm a big defense guy in the NFL. Um, so you know they they have some solid some solid quarterbacking uh, with, with Philip Rivers and uh, that defense. So uh, they're gonna they're gonna give Tennessee a run for their money in that division. And um, I think they're gonna be surprisingly better than than I had predicted at the beginning of the year. Phil Rivers is bringing that San Diego energy to uh, to Indy. <laughs> They're going to choke right. out the playoffs. <laughs> all right. With all that said, episode 11 is officially in the books. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. A pleasure as always. Up next, we have episode 12 with a guy named Isaac, who is a Paralympic athlete. He holds the world record in the high jump at the Paralympics and a gold medal. So looking forward to talking to him. He has a really inspiring story. Um, Pretty cool. So that's next week for you, uh, as well as some UFC news real quick. My guy, Conor McGregor, officially signed the paper to fight at UFC 257 on January 23rd against Dustin Poirier for a rematch. Uh, Looking forward to that. We're going to be doing a giveaway. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be involving Proper 12 and merch. So... Stay tuned for that announcement and a potential Black Friday store drop. Yes, I said it. There will be merch, hopefully, on Black Friday. Stay tuned for that as we're working on that right now. So with all that said, thank you, Episode 11 in the books, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 